Who do you say that I am? Jesus' question to his disciples gathered around him that we encountered last Sunday in the gospel reading. The question which sparked Peter to say those words that meant much more than he knew. The inspired words of the Father, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But this question is not just presented to Peter, and it's not just presented to the twelve. This question must be answered by each and every single one of us. It's a question we all must answer, and the answer that we give determines everything. Who do you say that I am? Our answer determines why we come here Sunday after Sunday. It determines how you treat and love your husband or wife. It determines how you raise your children. It determines who your friends are. It determines what's a priority in your life. It determines what you do in your spare time. It determines why and if you pray. It determines how you view life and how you see death. Who do you say that I am? So do we follow in Peter's steps and declare Jesus not just, not just to be the Messiah, but to be the Son of the living God? Because to say that also means to say that he's God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. To him all things were made, and who came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate the Virgin Mary and became man. To really and truly confess those words that we do every Sunday means that we profess that Jesus is God. The same God we say that is the creator of all things, visible and invisible. The God who is love, who is truth, who is beauty, who is goodness itself. When we say those words, we say that Jesus isn't just a good teacher, a prophet, or just a mere man, but that he is the son of the living God. And if we say that about Jesus and really believe that about Jesus, then what we read in the scriptures, especially in the gospels, we should take very seriously. Even when he says, that he's going to go to Jerusalem, suffer greatly, be killed, and on the third day rise again. Who do you say that I am? You see, the scene of today's gospel, that encounter we hear between Peter and Jesus again, is at the same time, at the same place as last week. That same conversation between Peter in Jesus. Now what makes that so relevant is that Peter goes from being the rock and professing Jesus to be the son of the living God to being an obstacle and be called Satan in literally three seconds. You know, immediately after Peter makes such a confession and Jesus then bestows upon him to be the leader of his church, Matthew tells us that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must suffer and be killed and rise on the third day. Because Jesus was showing them just what it meant to be the Christ. Just what it meant 
to be the Messiah. And Peter, who spoke, who spoke so boldly and eloquently, now he speaks boldly again, but he speaks foolishly because he thinks as men do and not as God does. There's a kind of interesting irony going on in the story today because Peter, who is called the rock, is now called an obstacle in the Greek scandalon, which literally means a stumbling stone. The rock has become a tiny stumbling stone like that. Why? Because he can't accept the cross. Peter, inspired by the Father, is the sturdy foundation upon which the church is built. But then when he speaks apart from that divine inspiration and according to his weak nature, he's a stumbling stone. He goes from being the best, being the most learned, being the most wise with saying those words to now being foolish. You see, Peter was unwilling to accept a suffering servant, a suffering Messiah. And so Jesus has a very profound way of teaching and challenging the thought of his disciples and us that what it means to be the Messiah, what it means to be the Christ, what it means to be the anointed one. So when Peter speaks on behalf of all the 12 who was willing to proclaim him the son of the living God, Jesus also wanted them to accept that he was going to be the suffering Messiah. Who do you say that I am? You see, in those times, in Jesus' time, discipleship meant way more than just assenting to principles, rules, teachings that the Master gave. Discipleship was all about imitation. So Jesus presents to his disciples the demands of discipleship. He says, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now let's take a sidestep real quick. And let's recall that the form of execution under crucifixion was the most shameful, was the most horrendous, was the most painful way to be killed. And so now Jesus is telling his disciples, you see all those people who are crucified? So now you, you have to pick up your cross. You no longer endure it. You embrace it. You cling to it. You willingly take it up and carry it. This would have been a shock to them. And why Peter made, on a natural level, made such a remark to Jesus, God forbid, Lord, but this is the way Jesus has it. And he asks us, who do you say that I am? In our society today, let's face it, many people want a crossless Jesus. A Jesus of peace and love. And he is that, but his love is separated from the cross. They want a Jesus that doesn't cause any trouble. A Jesus that permits to do what you want, when you want, how you want, how much you want to do it. And many people desire this Jesus because they recognize that to be a disciple means to imitate. And they don't want to imitate 
a suffering Messiah. But our Lord calls us to imitate him fully, to follow after him in everything, even the cross. Because there's no resurrection without the cross. And Jesus knew that. And the great paradox of the Christian life is what follows after that. It's something that minds have to ponder and our mind and our hearts have to accept. That whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, Father, we hear this carrying your cross, carrying your cross. We hear it all the time. Take up your cross. What does that mean? It means that we follow our Lord in whatever state of life we find ourselves in. We order it towards God. We bring God right into the middle of it, even if that means it's difficult. Or that we receive persecution. Or it's not easy. You see, as Americans, we have this mentality about carrying a cross like this, that we you know, pull up our bootstraps, tighten them up, and just grudgingly carry it. That's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to use the grace he's been given us. To pick it up, because with grace it becomes lighter. And with love, it becomes sweeter. So, what does it mean to carry the cross? It means waking up every day and being intentional with saying, I'm going to be the best husband, I'm going to be the best wife I can be, even if it's difficult. I'm going to be the best father I can be. I'm going to be the best mother I can be, even if it's difficult. It means going to work every day, and that boss or that coworker that annoys the crap out of you, you can probably name one right now. It means loving them in that. Being a little more patient with them. And then when they do something wrong to you, pray for them. As a young person, carrying your cross means, I know, obeying your parents. Honoring your father and your mother. Being honest. Being the best friend you can be. Being the best student you can be. Not giving up when things are difficult. It means praying even when you're tired. It means giving God the glory even when the enemy says, won't you take credit for that? You see, taking up one's cross is always found in the daily, small, ordinary moments of life. We don't have to look far for a cross. Being married, having children, working, that provides enough for us. It's what we do with it, and it's how we approach it. Because people do crazy things when they're in love, don't they? And because we're in love, we carry our cross. We joyfully bear the hardships that come to us because we do it out of love for God and love for neighbor. Who do you say that I am? So the question today is, who is Jesus for you? Is he the Jesus of the Gospels? The risen, but don't forget, the crucified Jesus? 
Is the crucified Jesus whom you sing out to and say these words, My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. Do we thirst, do we long to be with a crossless Jesus? If we do, he doesn't exist. Rather, our prayer must be this. My soul is thirsting for all of you, Jesus. My soul longs to serve you, crucified Jesus. May our thirst for God, may our thirst for Jesus be without, not be without thirsting for Jesus crucified, because it was Jesus crucified who said these words, I thirst. And what he was thirsting for was for your soul to be with him in eternity. God bless.